You're listening to Legal Tech Academy. Podcast that inspires legal professionals to make a difference in the sector but being more than just a lawyer. My name is Iga Kurowska and I'm sitting down with inspirational individuals from all over the world to talk about their projects, the lessons they've learned, their views on hot upcoming trends and many more. Together we discuss how to make a change in the legal sector. This is the third podcast episode of Legal Tech Academy. Welcome to everyone. Today we will talk about the return on investment of legal tech projects. This is the topic that will interest a number of people that actually implement legal technology in their workplaces. Of course, each time we have to justify and it will not only interest the person that pitches the implementation, but also the decision maker. Today we got two guests with us, Margot Trebitska and Chuck Henrich, that will both share their calculators and the use cases for them. Enjoy the talk. Hello to our guests. Hello to our audience. The first question is going to be quite simple and it's going to be about why. Why do we need to calculate the return on investment of legal tech projects? I think the question is super simple to answer because um, why do we calculate any ROI? It's un- the, the investment we make in technology. Um, and obviously, any investment needs to have a return. We don't invest just out of the blue. Uh, we need to see um, some money coming out of it or any other benefits. So the answer will be fairly simple. We want to see some profit. That's very, very generic um, response. Obviously, it's much more intertwined than that, but that's a holistic view on it. Why? Because we are talking here about law firms, uh, legal departments, and, and many more. So they these organizations are there to predominantly make money. It's a business model that they are driven by and they do it fairly well so far, so good. However, when it comes to investment in legal tech, what goes with it, it's not only money. There are many other aspects to it. Many law firms claim that they are looking for efficiencies. Again, if you look at that aspect, that leads to making even more money by using technology. Because if you are efficient, if you manage to save time by by using something like like legal tech, then obviously that comes into your pocket as well. But other aspects um, that are linked very closely with that comfort of lawyers working for those law firms um, Mm -hmm. and also trying to close gaps that previously existed, gaps around security at law firms that are dealing with very confidential information. Other aspects could include retention of of staff or even stepping further, attracting new talent. Obviously, working for a large law firm is super exciting uh, for many, but um, less and less individuals are 
attracted to places that work in a very traditional way. So that's a, a from very short answer to a very long answer. This is where, where we stand, I believe. Thanks a lot, Margo, for this answer. And now let's give the mic to our second guest, Chuck. Chuck, could you please tell me what is actually the return of investment? How would you define it? Is it any different than in the other sectors? Is there anything special for the return on investment in the legal tech and legal innovation sphere? The bottom line is, do the benefits outweigh the costs? And that's true for any kind of investment, really. Um, the question really is, how do you calculate those benefits and how do you calculate those costs? And one of the things I've learned over the years, I've worked um, in law firms, I've worked for vendors and I've worked as a consultant um, building business cases and, and doing ROI calculations. And one of the things I've learned is that many of the hidden costs don't get included in calculations. And so that's something that I'm going to talk about later. If the benefits outweigh the costs, great. If they don't, then you need to ask a question as to why you're doing what you're doing. Um, an example of a situation where the benefits don't outweigh the immediate costs would be research and development. And you, know, you don't expect an immediate benefit from that. But for most legal tech purchases, uh, it's really important to do a thorough investigation of both the benefits and the costs and then come up with a number that makes sense. Thanks for that answer. Margot, do you have anything to add about that? Maybe your definition? What about from your experience when speaking with the clients? Are they just looking for the financial benefits? No, but that's typically the first uh, place to go for. Um, naturally, ROI is associated with financial sector. It's something you can measure. And typically what we measure is something tangible. Money is tangible and financial gains are as well. Also, there are elements that uh, come on top of that, such as time that you save, which eventually leads to efficiency. So if you are an existing uh, trainee or paralegal and you are conducting a standard M&A review or uh, real estate lease portfolio review, you will be working or spending uh, X amount of hours on that uh, on set of documents. Um, doing it manually, reviewing every single page and looking for specific information, typing down the answers, copying and pasting it to a report. So that takes, let's say, 100 hours per one small portfolio. If you think about that and translate it into use of technology, with the use of technology, you can uh, significantly cut this cost. So as a trainee, you spend 10 hours rather than 100 hours doing the same thing. And what goes with that? Two things. One, okay, you bill less hours. If it's a non, um, we, we get perhaps to that topic, maybe it's a topic in its own right, but it can do two things. It could be looked at from different perspective. One, you are efficient, but you bill less. So is it a balancing exercise of, okay, if I bill less, I'm bringing less money in. However, because I'm making it very efficiently, clients are happy, I have less write-offs, and, and so I'm gaining, by doing this efficiently, I'm gaining some space of resources and able to do much more work. 
Mm -hmm. But that reflection about I'm more efficient, therefore uh, I can maybe have more clients and gain more, it is still very maybe partner-oriented reflection. What about different levels? Chuck, if I may get back to you on this, what do you think? What's be, what would be that incentive? We are getting to the conclusion somehow that the definition of the return on investment is different depending on your stage of development in the law firm or maybe the hierarchy. What do you think about that? Well, that sort of gets to the question, what's in it for me? Everybody has that core question that they need to ask themselves. What's in it for me? And as technologists um, and as business people, that's something you need to take account of when you're thinking about the people who are going to be actually using the solutions and doing the work. Um, if they don't have um, a hook into the solution, if they don't have a reason to use it beyond you know, saving the firm money, which then there's a problem. So you need to talk to people about what their needs are and then adjust your estimation of benefits and costs based on what their um, feedback is. Talking to stakeholders is absolutely important because like you said, return on investment is gonna be different for a secretary than it is for a partner. Some of the other things that, are, that need to be borne in mind though, and this is part of an education process I think that uh, is really useful when you're talking to stakeholders is helping them understand what their real benefits and their real costs are. So for example, um, Margo mentioned time and money. Those are headline items. But what about risk? What about quality? What about the time it takes to fix things that you can't bill, but that impact on your ability to meet your targets? Those are all opportunity costs. Um, the, you're losing the opportunity to do something more productive because you're wasting time doing something else. Talk to your stakeholders and, and think about what the uh, benefits are, what the costs are. And if they don't understand what they are, from your perspective, then take that opportunity to educate them. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something that actually struck my attention again, which was risk. And yeah. here I'm thinking about the projects that we are leading at Action, the, the law firm I'm the head of innovation at. And I'm thinking, okay, risk, quality of work. Of course, human, we make errors. But sometimes maybe for the sake of automation, we have to simplify things. How would you value that criteria? Are we losing quality on, on automation, digitalization, or are we gaining quality because we are maybe eliminating that human error? What would be the calculation then? It really depends on the solution. I mean, it, you know, how long is a piece of string? But about document automation, for example, that's something that is um, something that every law firm should take under advisement because every law firm is a document factory. So the more efficiently you produce documents correctly, the better that your business will be. Um, in that case, uh, reducing the possibility of people cannibalizing documents and then sending out um, old client information to new clients, for example, that's a risk factor that uh, is really important because it could cost you the client, it could cost you some liability. Uh, mm -hmm. When I worked at Latera, I became aware of proofreading uh, solutions, automated so-called AI proofreading solutions. Um, those are de uh, designed to uh, highlight problems in documents that people normally would miss because they're using their eyeballs and they're stressed or they're tired or whatever. So it's important for the uh, product to be designed correctly and to use the right algorithms to highlight issues that uh, need attention. But that's an investment that pays back very, very quickly because it uh, reduces risks, it, inc it increases quality, 
and it frees people up from uh, the stress of not knowing whether they're missing something. But again, it's very, it really depends on the solution. Yeah. And what about you, Margo? What do you think about different elements that would enter into the equation of that sort of hypothetical cal calculator? Um, risk, quality, money, st uh, time spent. Everybody has ha uh, have to have their take in here. Um, any anything else that comes to your mind before we start really um, getting to you, your examples and looking at some demos? I think when it comes to calculating anything, calculating metrics, I would like to take a, a, a step back because you can have hundreds of different aspects that you want to include as part of your ROI calculation. But I would be extremely cautious here because when you start measuring something, you need to be very clear what you are measuring and how you are going to get there. Because if we're talking about something you discussed, Chuck, risk, obviously it's uh, incredibly important um, to include that as part of your evaluation. But are you really able to assess ROI based on risk until actually something happens to you? Um, you are not able to do it hypothetically. You can do it um, randomly, but it's not going to reflect an actual situation um, unless you are relying on historical situations that happened in the past. So I wanted to take a step back when thinking about calculating ROI. I would like to uh, make sure that uh, when each of us is at that stage, when we are selecting legal technology tool, because that's essentially it, right? You calculate what you gain through legal tech. If you are selecting that tool, a lot of um, clients, law firms, um, legal uh, departments, what they do firstly is looking, how much does it cost? How much am I going to save in terms of money, in terms of time? What resources do I have to apply upfront? Is it going to be two weeks um, implementation? Is it going to require API um, addition? Is it going to require only one person from my team? Or is it going to be the whole team that's involved in it? Um, when thinking about investing in ROI, things that people don't do and they should do is they do forget about the actual post-implementation adoption. And I think that would be vital to at least think about it because some tools can be incredibly beautiful, useful, have so many functionalities, but they may be slightly too difficult to implement. And if you end up in investing into technology, calculating all the hypothetical uh, savings, efficiency gains, and others, but forget about this element of adoption and ease of use of specific platforms, or abilities and resources internally available to you to help with the adoption, then you may slip um, a bit there and your investment will turn out into a little disaster. So your ROI calculation that you started off with will look 
nothing like you've started off with at the end of the adoption or implementation process. So I would highly also include, recommend including this non-tangible element. Is it going to be e really easy to adopt? How long is it going to take? And calculate that time and resources into the equation. Yeah, this definitely. Uh, and now we're gonna go into the case studies. So both Chuck and Margot, they have worked with um, a number of software so far. And um, they've prepared for you a small demo on a given topic uh, so that we cannot not only speak about theory, but we also see the use cases and the practical aspects of the ROI calculations. So first of all, we'll start with Margot. Uh, she will present um, the calculator on the AI contract review. And then we'll continue with uh, Chuck, who will present the document automation calculator that he's worked on. Um, so uh, without further ado, uh, it is the floor goes to Margot for her demonstration, and then we continue with Chuck. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Iga. As a um, spoiler alert, I must say from my experience, there are hardly any law firms, even the biggest one, that make a serious um, and tangible attempt at calculating ROI at this stage. Why? Because it's, I believe, extremely difficult. And the tendency is that if we approach it, we approach it big. We want to know everything and we want to know it on a large scale. What I'm going to demonstrate is a, a step back or maybe 10 steps back. Let's start very small. Let's try to do something. Let's try to calculate something that will allow you to get an idea of how things actually look like when you try to do it. Because not many firms have actually attempted seriously to measure anything in relation to legal. So this calcul calculator demonstrates um, an um, AI contract review platform called Della. And this is a, a contract review platforms is a good example how to show possibilities of time and money savings. There is a process from A to Z, you know what's included, you've got a set of documents, you've got specific time you have to review those documents in, and you have to export the report. You know there will be specific individuals involved in the process and that's predominantly what it entails when it obviously comes to something like contract life cycle management that is slightly different case obviously it's a much bigger task etc so i highly recommend start with something that you can actually measure that will make sense and that will give give you a good perspective on what's possible. So this calculator is available for free on the website. It completely does not link you with any uh, anything to do with the law. You don't have to use the services. You don't have to have a demo. This is for you just to have a look um, at how it works and what's po possible or not. So how do we start? We know what number of documents we are going to review. So let's say, we will be reviewing a nice round number of 100 documents. This is a standard, smaller version of real estate um, lease review portfolio. 
um, or a very small batch of documents associated with, with M&A deal. It could be something to do with pensions or employment, um, set of employment agreements. So let, let's keep it 100. We know we have 100 documents to review. On average, it's good to know, and you as a, as a lawyer will know how much you spend on the documents. So typically, if you review, this is what I've heard on average from clients, real estate lease will take anything between 40 to 40 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on the length. So let's let's put around number of 60 minutes um, if it's a manual review. And now what you need to include is time spent per that review. So if you imagine a and this is applicable typically to law firms, but it can also be adopted to um, legal councils if needed be. Obviously, not with all the functionalities. But how how does on uh, how how much time on average does each individual in the team spends? So typically, trainee or paralegal will take the biggest chunk of the initial review. You, you will ass assign um, time spent per associate, um, let's say 20 minutes, then we will have senior associate who will be kind of looking after this, this um, project will be spending 15% and partner um, five. You can put it at zero if needed be, but that's, um, that's something we can adjust as we go. And it's entirely up to you how, how you flex it. This all needs to come to 100 in order to get kind of uh, normal results. And what's vital, how do we calculate the, the fee or savings is by knowing how much each individual in the team actually earns, because otherwise you are not able to establish what is the actual savings. So this is all for you to move around and see what, what results you could get. But let's assume these numbers are fine. I mean, we can move it up. I guess it's much, much more, but uh, let, let's leave it as, as it is for now. It's, it's up to you for to test. So we've got all our details in. As you could see, it's really simple. You don't need any extraordinary or um, insight information in. You know exactly how much people in the firm on average earn. Um, and this box in blue will give you live update on, on your um, estimated saving. So if you are reviewing these fairly low number of documents, you are able to save around 100 hours of your time. And this is not a joke. I actually saw it with my own very own eyes working with clients who do those things. And they're extremely impressed, as not only around review, but also about, uh, around document exportation. Because in traditional way, you would do a lot of copying and pasting which can be time consuming, uh, prone to mistakes, prone also to risk when you export something and it has uh, a wrong copy and paste information in there. And the actual financial gains that you achieve in this particular review um, 
So the, these uh, functionalities allow you to adjust it to your own practice. You don't have to be a large law firm with uh, ridiculous uh, prices per hour. Um, you can be smaller, more um, diligent, innovative practice that charges much less. So these auto, these toggles are for you to, to adopt. Um, and these are the findings and, and savings that you get. If we move any of those, obviously the values will um, change immediately. Um, and this allows you to just uh, adapt as you, as you go. Okay, so I think there is nothing more ab about it, uh, but I highly recommend to test it out. It's fairly diligent and gives you an idea of what savings you can make um, in terms of cost and time. But what's important, obviously, you are not going to get a very detailed um, number here that, that's going to be exactly what you are going to get, but gives you an idea of where to start. And I think this is very important. Know where to start and do start small. Just keep those elements that are there for you that you can actually calculate rather than thinking of a huge picture. Um, to start off with, because it will be virtually impossible for you to do, in my view, just, um, just at the beginning of your journey. Uh, over to Chuck. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Margot. Um, one of the things I like about the Della um, uh, ROI calculator is that it has the, um, the adoption rates built in. And it also uh, allows you to play with scenarios about how many people do what for how long. Um, in my experience, um, it's good to dive in a little deeper than that. So I'll show you what I do. Um, this is just a sample of the kinds of um, detailed ROI calculators that I, I work with. And it, um, really depends on what product we're talking about and even what kind of a firm or practice group we're talking about or, or legal department. Um, you see here, I'll just give you a quick guided tour and then we'll talk a little bit about how I get these numbers. Um, and this was uh, done specifically for a um, particular uh, automation vendor uh, talking to a specific, a small law firm who was wondering, well, is it makes sense to invest the time and money in document automation when we're so small. So here are the headline numbers, and you see I've got multi-year, which is important, and I'll get to that in a second. But you also see the return on investment is not a number of hours. It's not a, a currency figure. It's a percentage. And the reason the percentage is important is because it you need to take account of all of those hidden costs, like implementation, as Margo mentioned, uh, training time. Um, and then factor that into uh, whether it uh, exceeds or um, doesn't exceed the, uh, the benefits. So like I said, I think at the beginning, anything, a return on investment of anything less than 100% is a bad deal because you're putting in more than you get. Anything more than 100% is a good deal because you're gaining on your investment. So you see here, these are all um, variables that can be changed um, depending on the client that I'm talking to. 
um, and also these variables change depending on the solution. So for, for instance, a proofreading automation tool would have different variables to some extent than, than this, or um, a migration to a uh, document management system would have different variables. But in this case, we'll just take a look at what I think is important in, in um, this kind of calculation. Obviously, you want to take account of the firm population or, or the practice group comp, uh, population. Um, and in this case, we didn't go into uh, adoption rates in terms of automation because it's a small group. And in my experience, a lot of those small groups um, are fairly um, flat and people do a lot of uh, their own work. The lawyers do a lot of their own work. So they would be doing uh, document automation as well. And we were quite um, conservative about this. Um, the average number of automated documents created per user per month, 10, that's like two um, per week. Okay, so we're being very conservative. Um, I can change that to eight and you'll see the numbers change uh, a little bit there. Um, now, over on the right, these are the kinds of figures that are really challenging for law firms, uh, for IT folks to uh, get a handle on. And in my experience, they usually don't do it because they don't know how, or it hasn't even occurred to them, um, in part maybe because they've got a day job, they've got other things that they need to focus on. And this kind of detailed, analysis is um, time consuming. So what I do when I'm evaluating, and this was when I was working in law firms or when I was working for Latera as well, um, I would uh, do the process um, as it exists now to establish a baseline. Um, what are you doing now? And how long does it take? How many clicks are involved? Um, it's important to count the clicks, by the way. Um, I did that uh, for one of the products, products that I was managing at Latera. I knew that the product was better than the competition, but I didn't know how. I didn't have the numbers. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I worked my way through um, various processes that people would use in document um, comparison. And I counted the number of clicks. And I did it with Word. I did it with our product. And I did it with uh, others. And I was really surprised um, at the number of clicks it took. Um, the, our product was um, much better than the others, um, but um, that translates into a lot less work and you can put a number on that. Um, I know a German firm, uh, a German software vendor who um, I mentioned this to and they took it a step further. They didn't just count the clicks, they counted the number of mouse meters, the number of, the number of meters that people had to move a mouse to achieve a certain goal, a, a certain task. Um, that's dedication. I would love to be able to do that, and I'm going to have to ask them how they how they did that. But an American law firm calculated that the cost of every click to the firm was U.S. six dollars. Um, I don't know how they got to that number, and we were all kind of shocked that every click in a firm could cost six dollars. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense because it's click and then wait click and then, oh, wait, where do I need to go next? There's those lag times between the clicks that are involved in the counting the cost of the click. So you see here this manual number. That's me using the client's current process, which was manually filling in a document, and it took me 30 minutes. Then I took the vendor's solution, and I, uh, they had automated the document for the client as a proof of concept, and I worked my way through it and it took me only 10 minutes. 
And it was a lot less clicks and it was a lot less mistakes that I had to fix. But in any case, by having those two numbers, I know what the productivity increase is. It's not guesswork, it's because I actually did it. Um, proof of concept time. Now this is um, something that you need to estimate, but you can work your way through it as the proof of concept goes, goes on and adjust that number. If, if it turns out that it's a lot faster, you change that and your numbers change. Um, development time, this is crucial. Um, as Margot mentioned, you know, the implementation is key. And if you don't take uh, proper account of the time and effort that goes into implementation, then you're gonna be surprised at the end. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have nothing against AI. I use AI products all the time for my photography, uh, but I don't have to train the AI. And I just rely on the vendor to do the training. But if you are buying an AI product like Raven or Cura or whatever, and they, you don't take into account the thousands of hours that are going to go into first curating the um, number of documents that you're going to feed to the AI and then quality controlling it and all of that, um, your return on investment figures are going to be skewed because you're missing a lot of the cost involved in implementing that product. Um, so, you know, for, the, for this, we just put in 125 because in year two, you're not gonna have as much development time. Your year one figure is always gonna be different than follow-on years because there's the initial implementation and ramp up. Training time, that's another thing that's super important. Um, and it's something that you need to hold vendors feet to the fire about. A well-designed application only needs a few minutes or maybe 20 minutes tops um, uh, training because it's been designed with the user in mind. They under, it's easy to use. That's important because getting people into training is challenging. And the more training you need, the less people will show up for training or they will zone out. They'll be playing on their phones while they're um, in the training room. And not only are they missing out productive, product, productive time, but they're also not using their training time well. So Training time as defined by the vendor is a really good indication of how well designed the application is. Um, in this case, the application is really simple. Um, and in my experience, document automation products are really pretty easy at this point for people to, to learn because people get it. Um, we're dealing with smart people in law firms for the most part. Um, but you, know, you can change it. And if it's one uh, hour instead of a half hour, you see the numbers change here, not drastically. Now, subscription costs. This is a hard cost. I define um, costs and benefits as hard and soft. Hard numbers are numbers that are easy to put a figure on. Soft numbers, like well, like software licensing or the amount of time it takes to do something. Soft costs are um, quality, risk, uh, client satisfaction. Um, these are all really important factors that need to be taken into account. And if you don't take into them into account, then your picture is going to be um, a little too fuzzy. In this case, subscription cost is a hard cost. It's, it's what the vendor is quoting. Uh, and you'll see here, there's an, an annual subscription uplift built in. So year one, year two, you see that there's a difference here. And that's because in year two, these numbers are different. Um, so let's say um, we're talking about, well, one of the things that I, I hear over, over and over and over again from smaller 
uh, organizations or smaller practice groups or, or, or um, departments, uh, law departments is we're too small for document automation. We don't, we can't justify the investment. Well, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about there's one partner and there's three associates and there's no trainees and there's one secretary. Yes, in this case, it's not worth it in year one, but in year two, it is. So, because you see 75% return on investment year one, mm, but if you, if you explain to the team that, yeah, year one, you have to put in a bit more effort, but you're gonna gain it back going forward, then people can understand and manage their own expectations about um, whether it's really worth their effort. I'd love to hear any questions that people have at this point. Um, yeah, lovely presentations, both of you. Thank you very much. Um, and thanks, Chuck, for opening the debate. I think that we can hit it. Hey. Yeah. Hi, uh, thanks, Sika. Um, so I had a question. I'm also a legal technologist, and I had a question for both Margot and Chuck. Uh, both of you all talked about, you know, some of the soft costs or the soft uh, savings, which you can't really quantify, but they're extremely qualitative in terms of compliance or risk assessment. So um, how do you sort of build that into a, a calculator? Because they're not always quantifiable. Oh, gosh. Well, um, one cost would be what would be the impact of the firm of losing a client, depending on the kind of a client uh, we're talking about, whether it's a big client or a small client. I know for a fact that law firms lose clients on a regular basis because of quality issues, uh, either because the lawyer makes a gross mistake or because the work product that the lawyer is, is delivering is messy. Um, I've, personally, I've, I've switched law, law firms based on that because it raises the question in my mind as a client, if they can't get this kind of small stuff right, what are they getting wrong about the legal advice? And that's right or wrong. You know, you can be a really bad typist and be a brilliant legal mind, but if your presentation isn't trustworthy, then the client has a right to ask, uh, well, maybe I should go elsewhere. So that's a business decision. That's a business calculation that the firm needs to make. And they probably have had situations where they have lost clients. They don't talk about it, but um, talk to the partnership and say, look, you know, we need to know. Um, quality is important. Um, and actually, uh, that raises a, a story that uh, is in my mind about just this kind of uh, question. Um, when I was talking to a Norwegian firm, uh, we were talking about proofreading software. And the, um, around the table, we had uh, the managing partner, head of IT, head of uh, document production, um, a regular lawyer, and the business development manager. Now, the managing partner was very keen on quality, quality control, because they'd been burned. They had lost business because of quality issues. So he would be the person, because he's invested in finding a solution to say, okay, right, what was the cost of that? Because it's something that could occur in the future. But then as I was going along, I was realizing that the business development guy was playing with his phone. He was totally zoned out. And I thought, okay, how do I get this guy to pay attention? So I said, well, it's also 
a differentiator because it helps you uh, market your firm as um, forward-thinking, technologically advanced, quality-conscious, risk-conscious, um, and it avoids losing business. And as soon as I said that, he, he shook his head, he put his phone down, he leaned forward and he paid attention because losing business to the competition was what's in it for me, for him. This gets back to talking to your stakeholders. You know, you have to talk to people and build alliances within the business. Um, people who will answer these kinds of uncomfortable but really important questions. Um, one of the things that I did at Latera as a document lifecycle evangelist was talk to people in IT at law firms about, <clears throat> excuse me, how to evangelize yourself in the law firm, how to build those alliances, how to get that information and that, um, that intelligence from people um, that will help you build a, a more believable, more compelling uh, argument. Did that answer your question at least a little bit? Yes, okay. yes it did, thank you. Thanks a lot, Chuck. And uh, just, uh, we can take on a few more questions, I believe. So, hi, Chuck. Thanks a, a lot for uh, going into detail on this. Um, the question that I had is, how does attrition feature into this story? So, uh, with the war, war, war for talent, rather, not the war on talent, obviously. Um, with the war for talent going on in the legal sector, you know, how, how can eliminating the drudgery kind of be added to um, the features or the, the you know, the, the sort of um, reasons why you should go for a document automation tool? A very good question, and it's really important. Um, uh, so many firms um, have morale problems and stress problems because people are doing things the hard way or they're fixing mistakes that they or others make or whatever. So if you as a law firm, as, a, as an HR um, uh, person, can say to um, people that you're wooing, uh, we've invested intelligently in technology to make sure that you're not wasting your time and effort doing stupid stuff that, and that you can focus more on the legal thought and client cultivation, uh, building client relationships, strengthening client relationships, because that's what people want to do. They don't want to spend their time um, working their way through a document and then suddenly the numbering goes screwy. And then they have to read. I mean, I'm thinking about one partner in a small law firm who had had enough of that sort of thing. And he said, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much it costs. I don't want to lose another two days of my, uh, of my life to fix that sort of thing. So um, document automation, um, any, any kind of legal tech, uh, Della's product, um, anything that is well-sourced where you have uh, a good... Um, vendor relationship, they're, they're actually a business partner, not just somebody who's selling you stuff. Um, if you have those kinds of really good solutions in place, then I would think it's a selling point. Uh, yeah, my, my, my question specifically was, so is that something that you could be able to quantify in like, uh, you know, or, or make a part of the, the, uh, the calculator that you showed me? And, and how would you go about, you know, creating objective criteria for that? That's a really good question. I'd have to think about it. Just off the top of my head, just a raw example would be if someone's, um, if you mentioned to somebody, yeah, we've got document automation and they're skeptical, say, right, well, we did the tests. We tested um, how it used to be doing it manually. And now we've tested doing it 
with automation. And um, these are the figures. This is how much less time it takes, and this is how uh, many, many fewer mistakes are made. I can just briefly say that if you are considering to start calculating something, the easiest way to do it is to do it on projects that are uh, at flat fee. A lot of firms are doing uh, more and more projects based on, on a specific fee rather than billable hours. It's much easier to do, much easier to calcula calculate um, uh, this in that, in that way. Um, but also if you are talking ab about billable hours and that's the only projects you are involved with, obviously um, there is a lot more to it. It's much more complex. Um, and as I mentioned in the chat, it's extremely hard to bring lawyers on board where they have to um, use their time to spend on technology if they could be doing manual billable work. So that's another, I think, topic for another discussion of, of or maybe next meetup. Um, yeah. But these are the things you have to remember and the recommendation is do it small, do it on small project and do it with easy type of technology rather than uh, large scale because there are, again, too many variables that you have to uh, consider. Um, so uh, keep it tiny. As a I just want to jump in, Margot, because you said that uh, I mean, we realize that it's not an easy thing to do. And I think that a lot of people already, they are quite overwhelmed with implementation of legal tech projects. They have to be the head of project. They have to be the evangelist and get the team on. And there is so many missions related to uh, implementation of legal software. So what I'm thinking, and I know that for instance, Della is a legal tech uh, software provider. So can we expect, or do we have a right to expect from legal software providers to provide us with such calculators and which variables should they fix and how do we trust them on this? Um, I think that you know where I'm going with, uh, with my, my question. They can estimate that the time uh, when we go back to, for instance, the example that Chuck showed us, that the, from manual to automated, it's from 30 minutes to 10 minutes, but this is their their estimation. Well, I, I'd like to actually jump in there because I'm not a vendor, sure. um, yeah. but I've worked for vendors and I've worked um, in law firms as, as somebody who had to deal with vendors. And in my experience, uh, vendors don't go into that kind of detail, the, the kind of detail that they really need to go into. And especially when you're dealing with salespeople, because salespeople, you know, that's not really their job. It should be. Um, but um, for the most part, um, vendors don't go into the kind of detail that Margot and Della have gone into, for example, with the um, adoption rates and the flexible calculation of hourly rates. But it, it's always good to be um, a, a, a smart shopper and don't take what the vendor says as um, the complete picture because their interest, I mean, again, again, what's in it for me? their interest is in selling. So they're gonna put the brightest, um, best picture on whatever they're selling um, to get you to sign on the bottom line. Some vendors are more honest than others. Um, and I, I'm not talking about anybody particularly here, but I, I get the picture, I, I really appreciate Margot. Um, and I think she's a really smart, good resource for people to talk about implementation of their product. Um, but like you said, 
everybody's got a day job and this is really complicated work if you're going to do it right. Um, this is where people like I come in. Uh, frankly, I'm just going to sell myself. Um, I, this is one thing that I specialize in, act, acting as an advisor, as a consultant, as somebody who can be the buffer between the vendor and the client, helping the vendor understand uh, better the client's needs, which clients aren't always very good at explaining, and helping the client understand better what technology could do. Because uh, sometimes they have these sci-fi ideas. Um, the lawyers especially think, ooh, AI, it's going to do my job for me. Um, helping people understand what's realistic to expect from the vendor so that they don't um, get upset when a vendor doesn't deliver what they thought they were getting and they shouldn't have thought that. Also, um, on, to on top of that, just use pilots with vendors to investigate all the options, use it as an interrogation exercise, extract as much information from vendors as possible, ask them sh to show you examples, um, pull them by the... Uh, tongue is that the saying yeah. <laughs> um, um use that to your benefit typically pilots are free or all at a uh, low cost so definitely highly recommended okay thanks yeah. uh, thanks a lot to both of you and we'll be sure closing up today's meetup uh, using pilots and trusting in in uh, in advice so is something that we do mention in our free ebook from uh, legal tech academy uh, so please, for those among us who still haven't checked it out, uh, for now, I know that it's been downloaded more than 650 times. So uh, we are really proud of, of this product and it's just a, a small initiation of something that we did together with Roman for you guys to um, get started with your legal tech projects. And that is it for today. Thanks a lot to everybody, both our speakers, our participants and our listeners. Unfortunately, when listening to the podcast, you did not have a chance to see the presentations and the calculators. And this is why for the next time I invite you to participate with us in life. Legal Tech Academy organizes meetups every month. So don't hesitate to check us out on social media and attend the next gathering. See you then.